This is the Mile High Five podcast with Carl Jensen and Doug Cunnington. We have authentic conversations about the journey to Phi, health, happiness, and some very odd tangents. We interview Phi experts, side hustlers, people on their way to Phi, and those who have reached the other side. Join us every week, and if you want the show notes and links and all that other stuff, head over to milehighfi.com. Hello, world. Welcome to the Mile High Five podcast. I'm Carl Jensen with my co-host. I'm Doug Cunnington. And we have a very special guest today. Tell us who you are and what you do. Cody Berman. I am a jack of all trades, kind of a serial entrepreneur, always dabbling in different side hustles. Recently, over the past couple of years, I've fallen in love with online courses, real estate, and we can talk about actually recorded a video pretty recently of 19 different income streams currently. Oh my God. And are, are you even 18 yet? Can you drink? Can you legally drink? <laughs> I can drink. I can drink. I uh, got my coffee right here. So maybe not alcohol. 26, Carl, 26. Okay. All right. <laughs> cool. And I hear you have a funny story about a recent conference in Las Vegas. Tell us what happened. Yeah. So I went to this conference and it's like 108 degrees out. It's Vegas. And so I'm wearing shorts as any New Englander would. Like I'm not used to that temperature. And we end up going out to like this bar, club, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, I get up. They're like, you can't get in with shorts on. I'm like, great. So I'm scouring around. It's probably like midnight or 1 a.m. at this point. And I'm like, okay, I got to get pants somewhere. Like I'll literally just wear sweatpants. I'll go buy them at wherever, Walmart. And so the closest thing I could find was a Walgreens. Walking to Walgreens, I'm like, hey, do you guys have long pants? She's like, no, honey, we don't have long pants. This is Vegas. I'm like, okay. So I end up getting the longest shorts that they sell. Like these are like real baggy, like gangster shorts. And they, but they still weren't long enough to kind of count as pants. So I end up, I'm still wearing my regular shorts. I sag these pants down to about upper knee level. So now the second pair of shorts is touching my ankles. Tuck them into my shoes. <laughs> walk up to the line. I'm so I'm way closer than I was before, before I got kicked out. And the guy's like, what the hell are you wearing? He's like, you can't get in with that. I'm like, dude, this is the, this is the new Yeezys. This is the new style, like the double shorts. Everyone's doing it. And I had a couple of <laughs> friends backing me up. And he's like, get the hell out of here. <laughs> and ended up going back to the hotel. So, oh, oh my god! How did you walk? Were you like a penguin or what? Like I was penguinning hard. I I tied him pretty tight. I was kind of like keeping my knees tight together. <laughs> He's like, get the hell out! That's pretty funny. Yeah, and so you still have these giant shorts or what? These you giant Las Vegas shorts, and I brought them home. My fiance's like, what the hell are these? <laughs> they say Las good. Vegas down the side of them. <laughs> Classy. Yeah. I, yeah, that that is rough to. Uh, I mean, it's so hot. It's I couldn't imagine. Hundred eight in long pants and a long shirt. Like, come yeah, on. Yeah, it must have been a nice place. It was. I mean, every place there just they think they're hoity-toity. You can't get in unless you have the long pants on and yeah. college shirt. It's like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't think I've ever been to a place like that in my life. <laughs> I'm kind of trashy, though. Yeah, I don't think so either. And it, I think if they said, hey, you need to get pants, you're like, ah, it's not the place for me. No, I'm going back to yeah. the hotel. And an outburger still up on the exactly. side out there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. Yeah, let's get into it. So I see the first question in here is, where did you go to university? And uh, yeah, how'd it go? So I went to UMass Amherst. UMass and it's kind of like a party school but I made the most of it and a lot of people have asked me now as an entrepreneur I we can talk about this later I quit my job seven months in and so people are like was college worth it totally fair question I went to school for finance and economics and the answer for me is yes but not for the reasons you might think so people are like oh you're, like, you're in personal finance now you must have used a ton of what you learned with your finance and economics degree I probably used like two percent of what I learned yeah what I did learn in college was how to network like how to talk to people, how to write professional emails, like the right things to say to get in front of the right people. And I learned how to learn. So I became a really good learner in college because in high school, I could kind of just like, you know, study for 20 minutes before the exam and do well. I was just kind of gifted in that way, I guess, in high school. But in college, like I couldn't do that. I yeah. actually had to start learning the material. So I learned how to learn quickly. I learned how to read more quickly. I learned how to like distill and process you know, just a bunch of things and kind of get them into my head. And that's helped me tremendously now as an entrepreneur, like being able to just like catch a bunch of things, figure out a bunch of things on the fly and then distill that down into like an action plan. So not be the, not might, might not be the reasons you'd think like this is college was worth it, but it, yeah. it was worth it for me and, you know, learning quickly and networking. You said a phrase there that gave me some PTSD for my time in corporate America, and that was action plan. <laughs> Sounds like some shit from that. What, what was that? The office or office, office space. space. That's it. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking of. Yes. Sounds like some shit from that. Did you work in corporate America? Or? For seven months. Seven months? Seven months. I was in commercial real estate lending, and then I was grinding out entrepreneurship on the side. 
finally made the jump when my side hustle income started to cover my expenses, which were $1,200 a month at that point, living super frugal. Yeah. And since then, I've just been you know going full entrepreneur. And so seven months, pretty short time. Did you learn anything? Did you get anything out of it? Or was it just kind of like a confirmation uh, that you didn't want to do it? So here's another funny story. When I quit my job, I was telling my boss and I even told him what I was doing. I'm like, Hey, I'm going for entrepreneurship. And he's like, you were a waste of time and resources. (laughs) He said that to me and I'm like, damn. But what the day job allowed me to do was build up this like kind of security nest egg. So I was able to save like 50K in seven months. I got a pretty good signing bonus. I think it was like 10 or 15 grand. And then I was making like four to five grand a month. I had overtime too. And I was pocketing most of that. I was saving like 90% of my income. So wow. by the by the time I quit, I had like 50 grand saved up. And I was spending like between 1000 and $1,200 a month. And I was like, okay, now I have like, you know, 35 to 50 months of entrepreneurial freedom because of... So what the day job gave me was flexibility, mm-hmm. although I didn't didn't take away too many like hard skills from it. Sure, maybe networking and maybe collaborating a little bit, but not too much. I mean, yeah, you were already. I was already doing, doing that. Yeah, um, but gotcha. yeah, having the having the fifty k on the side just to give me entrepreneurial freedom was kind of huge. And then I think we'll get in. I may be jumping ahead, but um, <laughs> you saved uh, you know ton of money, like. That is kind of rare, especially like you got a signing bonus. You didn't go buy a new car, blow money or whatever. Maybe you did, but yeah. (laughs) Why, why are you like that? (laughs) My parents were really good about teaching me to save growing up. So I, I kind of stumbled into this whole financial independence thing by myself, like the investing side of things, retiring early, but they were like, you should always save money. Like whatever you come in, whatever comes in, whatever you earn, you should always put some aside for like future expenses. And it's kind of just like, that and so it it always stuck with me i'm like okay i'm gonna try to save as much of my paycheck as i possibly can sure like growing up they forced me to force me sounds like (laughs) you know they were so tough they they encouraged me to pay for my own things if i wanted a video game i'd have to save up the 50 bucks from working odd jobs and side hustling so i feel like just going through my teen years and into college and you know then eventually into early adulthood like having my first real job i just had that savings mentality so Yeah. yeah it as the as the checks got bigger, the savings rate stayed the same. So yeah, I've got kind of a follow up to that. Your parents taught you to save. Were they entrepreneurs? Where did that bug come from? So both my parents worked traditional jobs. My mom is kind of I wouldn't say an entrepreneur, but she does odd jobs. She was a massage therapist by trade, but she'd always just like pick up random stuff. My dad worked in marketing, so I guess I maybe got some of my marketing brain from him, but both of them were kind of just standard corporate America jobs. Okay, so where did, where did you get the idea to start your first business or hustle? Tim Ferriss, 4-Hour Workweek. Yeah. I read it when I was 19, sophomore in wow. college, and he talked about separating your time from your money so basically leveraging your time into like scalable things things that once you kind of put the effort in once you build that business once you build that course once you create that ebook or that book then you can like kind of sell it in perpetuity and Mm -hmm. i think he called them muses in the four-hour work week and i became obsessed and so shortly after that i started my first company which was a disc golf manufacturing company and that company just gave me so many different learning lessons it's honestly something i don't spend any time on today and it's kind of just like still pittering away in the background certainly make me much money but the lessons that i learned from starting that business i'm going to give a shout out to my boy t ferris were like just so life-changing very cool and then when you read the four-hour work week were you were you super excited and you're like i have to tell a bunch of people about it oh yeah i was telling all my friends and they don't want to hear any of it (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) like no 19 year old wants to like map out their life they're just partying in college and i was partying too like i don't want to get i don't want people to think that i'm some superhuman who's just like always business always grinding like i was still partying like way more than i probably should have in college yeah. but i was spending my spare time instead of watching netflix i was like trying to build these businesses that's very cool so so now i'm kind of curious i really want to get inside your head why do you think that book like what spoke to you was it the potential to make money the freedom like you you, you read that book and it sunk in and you said i'm going to go for this um can you expound on why or your thought process yeah i think Growing up, I thought rich was just – the only rich people I had in my life were uh, – my cousin was like a lawyer. I had some other people who were like doctors in my family. And that was like rich people to me. And the, both those professions, nothing wrong with them, but they're both trading your time for money. Like my cousin is a lawyer, worked his ass off, 100-hour weeks. Like he's making a shit ton of money. 
but it was it, all of my role models were trading their time for money. I think what really drew me to Tim Ferriss when he was talking about was like all this time leveraged money, like the, kind of the passive income, the business building, the uh, the notion that I could spend my time building this thing up and then kind of just like let it sit, let it ride, and then it would make me money in perpetuity. It was almost like a, a quicker way to financial independence. Okay, cool. Yeah, totally. And you know, you mentioned it a couple of times, but just having the time freedom, yeah, which uh, he really highlights. And did you read the book uh, Vagabonding too by Rolf Potts? I have not, no. Okay. And it, I think uh, Rolf was on Tim Ferriss's podcast a couple of times in the okay. first, say, 50 episodes. Check those out. I think uh, Tim Ferriss said that he carried around vagabonding uh, like in his travels when he was Okay. Coming up with the idea of the four-hour work week or something like that. But good book. Same idea. Yeah, I think Tim Ferriss said that's the most influential thing he has ever read. I hope I'm doing well, that justice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah he, yeah, he did like a huge double podcast with that guy. I think yeah, yeah. More. Yep. Very cool. All right. So let's get into um, some of the passive income Sources, business, and investing. We have uh, kind of a bullet point list. How do you want to hit this, Carl? Yeah, let's start with uh, passive income and digital products. What do you do around that space, Cody? So I first got introduced, actually, I have a business partner, Julie, in Gold City Ventures, which is like the the brand I have here. Um, She introduced me to selling digital products and printables on Etsy. Basically, what that is, is like calendars, planners, invitations, templates, like if you guys were looking for like a social media template or a podcast media kit, for example, you could go on Etsy and go buy one from someone who's created that product, listed it there, and then like thousands of people can buy from them. So it's passive income, like this, these digital products. You're not shipping them. You're not holding inventory. You just kind of create it, list it, and then you sell it. So I started to see some early success selling on Etsy and then eventually Shopify and then eventually some other platforms. And then I ended up you know, creating a course on it. And, you know, all of these things, like I said, it's like, it's the one to many model. You create the thing once and then a bunch of people can purchase it from you. And it's just been transformative. I've spent a lot of my time now, whereas back in like 2019, when I quit my corporate job, I was spending my time doing freelance stuff. I was freelance writing. I was podcast editing, video editing, copywriting. Now I spend like all my time building things that can pay me even if I don't work on them actively. Um, so that's kind of where digital products, like I just became enamored with them and I'm like, this is sick. <laughs> like I'm making yeah. all this money. Like I'm just, I'm just spending a couple hours creating this thing, whether it's an ebook or a printable or a digital download or a course. And then I'm making daily sales or weekly sales from it and it's passive income. Yeah. Like how cool is it that we have the internet where billions of people can access your thing versus 50 years ago, if you wanted to be an entrepreneur, you'd have to open up a store exactly. or whatever and yeah. you're your total addressable market is the people in your town or whatever, but now we can reach the world with anything. I was just talking to someone about that yesterday. I'm like, even 10 years ago, I don't think what I'm doing now would be even remotely possible. I can literally go and work from anywhere in the world, make the same amount of money, work the same amount of hours. Like I'm completely time independent. I can work whatever hours I want. Like I, even in 2012, I don't think that was possible. Yeah. Just like the systems, the scalability we have now is insane. It's like, honestly, the best time in history to make money, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. And just with the, you know, the online course platforms, like they matured a ton in the oh, last yeah. five years, but yeah, even whatever, seven years ago, yeah. you'd have to maybe piece together a couple things and it would not be that great. So much easier. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And then anything else on the, the uh, digital product front. So there, there's a few income streams there, but anything else on your mind with it? Um, I just encourage people to like, check it out. I, th- I honestly think so. I'm, I also invest in real estate and we're going to talk about real estate today, but real estate, that first step is a big step. And for a lot of people who haven't experienced passive income, I honestly think digital products is probably one of the easiest ways to like dip your toes in the water and mm-hmm. legitimately like make money while you sleep. Yeah, just putting a product up on Etsy or Shopify or on website or whatever, or even just creating an ebook on something, a five page ebook on something that you're knowledgeable about that people ask you about often. Yeah, it's a lot easier than like people make it out to be, and it's a lot easier than something like real estate in this example. Sure, it, it very that, yeah, uh, very like low low cost to to entry. Where it's real just estate, your time. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Or real estate, like you're gonna find a down payment, or it's right. just a lot more legwork and there's a lot more risk involved. For sure. All right, let's get into real estate then. <laughs> let's do it. Yeah. So how many doors do you have and what kind of rentals are they? So long-term, short-term, currently we have 11 long-term rental doors and two short-term rental like Airbnbs. And 
just recently starting into short-term rentals and it has been crazy dude like i didn't realize we're in central massachusetts but you never hear someone saying oh yeah you know what i'm gonna go on a vacation in central massachusetts yeah you would just wouldn't think of it as like a, a hub where people are booking airbnbs this past month we have a place it's not even on a lake it's across the street from a lake we just did five grand in net profit after mortgage, after all expenses, after everything, cleaners, wow. five grand in central Massachusetts. It's nuts. And like the return on a long-term rental would probably be like maybe seven, $800 in cash flow. So wow. that God. is something I'm going to start exploring a lot more in the, in the coming years, like just looking into the future. Um, I do like the stability of long-term rentals and obviously sure. it's like less of a management headache and stuff like that. But Man, short-term rentals are crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I was just about to ask, you know, there's no free rides. So, yeah, what are the downsides to the uh, the short-term? Um, It's just, I mean, there's more turn and burn. Like, people are just in and out. Luckily, I have a partner in this kind of short-term rental business, and she owns a cleaning company, which oh, is huge. Perfect. Huge. So, she already has Strategic. a system. She already has 18 yeah. cleaners on her roster. Yeah. So, it's like, this is just, you know, another client to her, basically. It's like, it's cool. nothing. Or if it was by me by myself, I'd have to go find cleaners on some website, maybe like Turnover B&B. Then I'd have to manage them, make sure the place is clean. But like, mm-hmm. she kind of just handles all yeah. that for us, which is wicked cool. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. So, so, I'm kind of curious to follow up. Who is, have you ever asked the tenants or the, not tenants, but the short-term renters, why are they coming? Who are the people who rent this in the middle of Massachusetts? Yeah. So we have a guest book and we actually get a lot of people to fill it out. Like it's just a cute little guest book that's like sitting on the main living room table. People from Boston that just like want kind of an out of city retreat. People who are couples that just want something different for the weekend. Like we strategically bought a hot tub. It's only four grand, but it honestly adds like $100 per night booking value. Wow, people are just wow. sorting by like hot tub. They're like, oh, this place is a hot tub. Let's book it. We, um, we do. Yeah, we like hot tubs. Yeah. So we usually So do we. Like out. when yeah. we travel, we're always looking like this place is a hot tub. And yeah. If it does, we're willing to pay a premium. And that's yeah. worked out in our favor. And it was only, you say four grand for the hot tub? Yeah, it was four grand for the hot tub. We got it from yeah. like Costco or Wayfair. Oh, was, that one was from Costco, yeah. Okay. Wayfair sells them too. <laughs> wow, did you have to re... I'm going deep. In, I'm checking for my wife here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So did did you have to get it rewired for or get it wired for 220 out to the hot tub or whatever? We did have to get like a, a little panel outside. It's called okay. like a, the emergency shutoff for okay. the hot tub, yeah. All right. Yeah. We'll, t- we'll talk later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's pretty cool, man. That's a lot of money. I, that's a big differential. You said seven or eight hundred versus like five thousand. Holy crap! And it might be seasonal. Like, since we just closed on the place that I'm talking about right now, that did five grand last month because yeah. we just kind of outfitted it and launched it in May. But I mean, even if a couple months out of the year, like we're making five grand in profit, it's yeah. <laughs> well worth doing the short term rental. Yeah, it pays for a lot of hot tubs. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> unlimited hot tubs. Yeah, you could also you could always pivot and do a uh, maybe a medium term rental, like a monthly thing in the in the cooler months or exactly. whatever, where it might be traveling nurses. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're we're doing that with a property now, actually. But yeah, that's awesome. Um, do you have any real estate horror stories? Has anything bad ever happened to you in real estate? So I think our first year in real estate, so we started investing in 2020 and I just had so many people on my podcast that had retired early with real estate. I'm like, why the hell don't I, don't I have any properties? So we just started like buying properties really quickly. And I think we got a little too trigger happy, cash flow trigger happy. We're like, this place cash flows, it's sick. Like we're going to make so much money with it. And it was just in kind of shittier areas with shittier quality tenants and they were just annoying and they called a little <laughs> maintenance issues and stuff yeah. like that. And so we ended up actually selling off two of the properties, five units. Luckily we had like a crazy bull market. And so we actually made money selling them, but oh, wow. you know, I, I, in retrospect, we shouldn't have bought them in the first place. It was right. just a mistake. Like it was a lot of wasted man hours, like going mm-hmm. through like the inspections and just like setting all the processes and systems up. And like, like I said, I think I was just super trigger happy. I'm like, oh, I'm a real estate investor now. Like, yeah. This is going so well. This is awesome. And we were making money. It was just like the quality of the people in there weren't worth the headache. And now kind of the rule of thumb that me and my fiance use is if we wouldn't want to live in the property, we don't want that property as a rental. Okay. We want the quality of people that are like us, like people who are well-to-do folks that care about like the curb appeal that care about the inside of the house that aren't going to like destroy the place never clean um right so that's definitely a mistake that we made earlier on and now it's something that we we use that as a benchmark moving forward yeah Got that's, it. that's not too bad of a mistake uh no like f- some person coming in with 50 cats or something like that nothing yeah. like that we have that's a pretty <laughs> rigorous screening process which okay. is something that i learned from just like the people i talked to they're like 
Make sure they have a good credit score. Make sure you do a background check. Make sure this, make sure that. Check their pay stubs. And we did all that, and it's knock on wood, no name wood around, but it's worked out. <laughs> yeah. Very good. And I was going to ask something else about the the rentals and everything, and uh, but I can't remember. So we're going to ask if – I know I mentioned we self-manage. Okay. The reason for that is we have set up such good teams that, like, not even kidding, probably spend four to five hours a month on management total. So, like, wow. if we get a call and someone's like, oh, like, aren't you – why do you want to be a landlord? Do you really want to go out and fix the toilet in the middle of the night? It's like, well, I'm not going to fix the toilet. First of all, like, I probably don't know how to fix the toilet. Yeah. And I'm kind of far – like, these are these rentals are, like, um, most of the ones are in Connecticut. I'm in Massachusetts. They're, like, an hour away. I'm not going there in the middle of the night. So, we just have, like, a plumber on call, electrician on call, a handyman on call, mm-hmm. um, HVAC people on call. Like, we've kind of built out the systems sure. so that if we do have an issue, I just, like, send a text or a quick call and it's taken care of. Got um, it. So – I feel like for those who are like scared, one, they don't want to hire a property manager because they're like, I don't want to give away that extra cash flow. You can totally self-manage if you don't have like a crazy huge portfolio if you have the right systems and right team in place. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, obviously it takes a bit to build out. Like at the beginning, we were scrambling. We like had to find an electrician, find a reliable plumber, fl- find all these people. But now it's just like a text. They go take care of it. They send me an invoice and that's it. It's 10 minutes of my time. Got it. Yeah, so I see a theme here. This is kind of similar to the digital products in that you set everything up once and then it's kind of hands off. It just goes off and does its own thing. You've got the, with the digital products, there's not much you have to do at all. With this, you've got the the system, so set it and forget it. Yeah, I think that's going to be a theme of today's episode. Like yeah. I have just become obsessed with systems and processes and then eventually outsourcing and kind of scaling myself out and then, you know, taking the margin off of whatever I could pay other people to handle those systems or processes. It's been really lucrative and it saves me a lot of time. Awesome. And you said, if I caught it right, you started in 2020. So you're only like two and a half years into real estate investing. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. You definitely hit the ground running. You're an action taker. It sounds like so (laughs) what, um, what goals do you have overall, like real estate or do you want to acquire a bunch more or you're a good spot right now? I mean, I'm always, I just take opportunities in stride. Like, like I said before, 19 different income streams at this time. Yeah. And so if a new opportunity presents itself, like actually, I didn't even talk about this yet. And Carl is, uh, Carl's my lender on this flip that I'm doing. It's a really interesting situation. No one wanted to touch this flip. The neighbor's a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> She's super annoying. And it's like the leech field is like potentially going into her property line or whatever. And so I just met with her. I'm like, hey, like. We're going to, well, you know, we'll have it surveyed. We'll have them put the camera in the leach field, find out where the property line ends. Like, if it is on your property, like, we'll, we'll just find a price and I'll pay you off for an easement. She's like, oh, okay, that works. Yeah. Why didn't anyone else do this? We got the place for 200 grand and yeah. it's going to need like probably 60K of work. The comps in the area are between four and 500K. just because we got creative we actually met with this neighbor lady who is a bitch um (laughs) it sucked like whatever she's a but we we got it worked out and now it's going to be you know once it's all said and done a super lucrative deal because we got a little bit creative so i feel like to answer your question it's a very roundabout way of answering your question i don't have any end goals like i'm not like i want 500 doors or like i want you know 50 airbnbs Mm -hmm. i'm just like if i see a good deal come up where i can make money i'm gonna take it sure i'm gonna figure out a way to make it happen and that's in real estate or anything else like if someone comes to me with some new opportunity some new thing and i vet it and see it as a viable source of passive income or business i can build them i'm like hell yeah i'm all in i'll give it a whirl (laughs) cool that's awesome and yeah uh, other investments that you have just in general yeah do you have anything conventional like an index fund yeah yeah so in terms of investment so i do real estate and i mentioned like long-term short-term (laughs) short-term short-term flip um i do have index funds so i keep a decent bit i think like probably 40 percent of my net worth is just in the stock market in the form of index funds also been doing some syndications over the past year so just kind of pooling my funds for bigger and better like apartment complexes have some money in a self-storage facility um actually did my first like angel investing this past year as well into a financial app called topia our good friend uh, grant sabatier is a right. co-founder in that okay cool so i'm like an angel investor um have some money in crypto a pretty conservative amount like probably five percent of sure. my net worth just in bitcoin and ethereum some individual stocks nothing really don't really dabble too much honestly like i said like 90 percent of my net worth in the stock market is in the form of index funds and i used to be like a day trader i went to school for yeah finance and economics so everyone's like day trading like you know spending so much time reading 10k reports and earnings reports and 
just not for me. Like yeah. the alpha that you can get from doing that, sometimes you can get lucky, but it's like maybe you can eke out a percent or two, but at what cost? It's like, do you really want to be reading earnings reports all day and like yeah. thinking you could you could yeah. outsmart Wall Street? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's easier to just set it and forget it in an index fund. Right on. In my opinion. So you have these 19 income streams. You got into real estate. You have the disc golf company. You're all over the place, man. So do you ever feel like, uh, number one, is it a little overwhelming uh, because you have a lot of plate spinning? And do you think if you focused on one of the areas, you would have gone or you could go farther if you just focus on whatever digital products and you just hammer on that? So two, two part question, you could hit it however you want. Okay. So the first one, I definitely feel overwhelmed sometimes. And it's just like, it'll be a random day. It'll be like, I'll get a call that like screws things up, whether it's like in purchasing a property or maybe there's some issue with a property at the same time, like some technical things going wrong with the online course at the same time, like, you know, Etsy is giving me some warning because they think like it's a copied product, you know, name a hundred different things that could go wrong. If like seven things are going wrong in one day, I'm, I'm a human. I get overwhelmed. Yeah. I'm like, shit. But then I, you know, action plan. I create yeah. like a, a little checklist. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to tackle these one thing at a time. Like this is something that I can handle. Like it's not going to be the end of the world. You know, it's not like, my house is burning down and all my family is dying. Like this is, yeah. these are all manageable things. Like this is a big time first world problems. Yeah. So I, I try to just like level with myself in my head. I'm like, okay, Cody, like just take a breath. We can, we can figure this out. Um, on the second front of like, if I just hammered one thing, I think in terms of money, yes. If I just focus on one thing, like digital products, for example, I could probably make more money overall. But I think from a personal satisfaction, I would get real bored real quick. Yeah. I just like like trying different things. And I think the fact that a lot of these things, going back to the Tim Ferriss and like the building one thing and then just kind of setting it and now it's making me money, building another thing, setting it now it's making me money. That's what most of my income streams are at this point. They're not like, it's not like I'm doing, like I said before, I'm not doing freelance writing, podcast editing, video editing, copywriting, email marketing. And I'm not like doing all that stuff with my with yeah. my hours and those aren't my income streams it's like i sell digital products on etsy then i sell like templates on shopify then i do like long-term rentals short-term rentals flips but a lot of these things are already businesses that i've kind of scaled and outsourced and created processes for so it doesn't it doesn't take too much of my time to manage the things i've already created most of my time honestly i know we're probably gonna i looked at the questions ahead of time talk about like what my day is like um most of the time i'm spending time on new projects so like i I usually try to set and forget all the things I have going on. And then I just like set my sights on a new goal and spend all of my time just building that thing out until that becomes a scaled out outsourced business. Totally. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. 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 And you're excited and you're pumped. You exactly. wake up, you're like, I want to learn this new thing or whatever. And if you have that energy about something, like it makes sense to go all in. Like, yeah, you get burnt out. Well, I get burnt out anyway, like working on the same thing over and over. If I were to do the same thing, that's why I quit corporate America. It was like yeah. the same thing every freaking day. And I didn't even know why I was doing it. <laughs> yeah. And so like, if I get passionate about something, I'm like, I just want to like hammer this for a month. Cause I'm like jazzed up. Maybe I heard a podcast about it. Or maybe like I was talking to a friend at FinCon and they're like, dude, you gotta try this out. And so I just like, Give yeah. it my all for a month. If it works out, works out. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. All right. Cool. Uh, uh, on our outline here, you want to talk about keeping fixed expenses low. What do you mean by that? So I admittedly have spent way more this past year than I've spent in, past, in prior years. But all of those expenses could go away tomorrow. And so what I mean by fixed expenses low is like the big ones, the housing, the transportation, the food. The ones that you kind of have to pay every month, like you're not going to go homeless. You're, if you need a car, you can't really just get rid of your car. You need to eat. But a lot of people will just like screw themselves until they'll get a super expensive house or they'll rent a super expensive apartment or they'll get like a thousand dollar a month car payment. And all of a sudden your base expenses are three grand a month. Like going back to when I quit my corporate job, if my base expenses, if I was just like, yo, I got the signing bonus, like yeah. I'm making a bunch of money. I'm going to get this nice apartment in Boston. It's $2,500 a month. I'm going to get this sick car. That's $1,000 a month car payment. And then I'm going to start like eating out a bunch and getting expensive groceries. All of a sudden I'm looking at like four grand a month minimum. And that's without like going on vacations or going to concerts and like all the variable expenses. If my base was four grand a month, I could have never went full entrepreneur. I right. just wouldn't have had the optionality. So I think a lot of people screw themselves in terms of the options they have by keeping their fixed expenses so high, like the housing, the transportation, the food. So if you can get those low, do, you know, house hack, get it, have a paid off car, 
be intentional about like your groceries and going out to eat and stuff. And then if you have a year or months that you're doing really well, whether it's an entrepreneurship or you're hitting bonuses in your job, then you can spend that on the variable stuff. You can go on vacations, you can go to concerts, you can go out to eat more often. But if, again, if your base expenses are already really high, then you just don't have flexibility. If you have a shitty month in terms of earnings, there's nowhere to turn. And like, then you could all of a sudden find yourself living paycheck to paycheck. And I think that's why, honestly, a lot of Americans or just people in general get stuck. Yeah. And then uh, just to confirm, so you spent a lot more this year is what you, you, so it was on the variable kind of stuff, vacation, food, you're treating yourself. Yeah. Like in 2022, we've already taken 14 flights. We've been traveling like (laughs) literally probably 75 calendar days out of the year. And we're recording this in September. Yeah. Um, So yeah, probably close to three months, two and a half months out of the year we've been traveling. We've been eating out, going out a bunch more, going to a ton of concerts, going to a bunch of events just because it's been a really lucrative year for me. But like, if you know all of my businesses failed tomorrow, our base expenses are like fourteen hundred bucks a month. Yeah. So if I had to like oh, wow. you know just cut everything and go back to living as living like I did straight out of college, like when I quit when I quit my job, I could, um, which gives me a lot of flexibility and just makes me sleep at night. <laughs> yeah. Well, and on that note, do you value income or saving more? A tough question. I'm probably going to say income because it's infinitely scalable. Yeah. Because you can only frugal yourself to zero. You can income yourself to whatever the hell you're willing to yeah. grind to. Um, so like if I were to just keep my corporate job and like save as much as I could, I would be light years behind where I am now if I became the entrepreneur that I am today. And right. that's that's why I'm in, I don't think there's anything wrong with a day job. And people are like, can you get rich from a day job? And I'm like, well, you got to define rich because the richest people in the world don't have day jobs. They, they're entrepreneurs. They're business owners. Because like, let's say you work at Tesla, for example, and Tesla doubles its revenue and you're just like a regular employee. There's no way they're giving you a 100% raise. Like no right. fucking chance they're giving you a 100% <laughs> yeah. raise. But if you're a business owner and you double your revenue, you probably just doubled your income for the year. And yeah. so that, that's the difference between being an entrepreneur and someone who works in a day job is like your income is infinitely scalable and it's a direct result of how well your business is doing. Yeah. yeah. There's no cheating in that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very, very interesting. Cool. Yeah. Is there anything we missed that you want to talk to before we move on to our next topic or on business investing? Any? Um, maybe just going back to the processes thing, because I've been saying that a bunch, but I haven't really given people like a mm-hmm. tactical thing. For those who are like business building entrepreneurs, I think just like start to write down or even create videos of like how you do stuff. Like, let's use like a podcast, for example. If you want to out- at some point like outsource the podcast, like just take a video of you editing like this is how i want it edited this is exactly what i need to do have like a really detailed guide on how you want your show notes have a really detailed guide on this is how you pitch the sponsors and then if you already create what i call they're called sops standard operating procedures if you just spend the time creating those now and again it's not like you're you don't have to learn anything it's just showing people exactly or showing people your future hires exactly how you do things and then it's so much easier to hire out and that was a mistake i made early on it's like i'm like i can you know, I'm the only one who knows how to do this my way. I can, yeah. I, I'm not going to outsource this. And then as I started to like think about it, I'm like, okay, well, if I can outsource these seven hours that I spend every week like editing, now I can get seven hours of my time back. And all, all it's going to take is me creating one video or like one detailed process guideline, handing it off to somebody else, maybe, you know, tweaking and refining their work a little bit. But once they get it down, now you have like a podcast editor forever. Right. Um, so I think a lot of people like that, that's the tactical way I would tell people to do it is like just literally document your systems and processes, how you do shit right now. And now you have a template that you can just give someone that you're hiring in the future. Yeah. Um, I love that's that. Huge. That's yeah. Huge. And I, I come from a project management background, so I did a lot of onboarding and operations kind of stuff. So yeah, that was kind of the stuff that I did uh, for the day job. But yeah, as an entrepreneur, one thing that I ended up doing was just you know, you have to understand the process yourself. So if you yeah. try to outsource too early, then you, you may run into some yeah. issues. <laughs> so I figured out how to do it the best way myself, uh, then document it. And the one thing I'll add is uh, I usually write out a, a job aid versus a video since sometimes a button will move or something will change. <laughs> so yeah. screenshots were a little bit easier. But I would uh, tell anyone I hired to leave comments, anything that was confusing. So mm-hmm. it was like a living, iterative constantly improving document. So as I hired more people, it got better and better. Fewer questions came in and then like anyone could come in and follow that job aid. 
Yeah. So it's huge. Yeah. Just and it sounds like so corporate and it sucks. I was like, I don't want to create like an SOP. Like I'm an yeah. entrepreneur. Yeah. But I mean, it's seriously, if you do want to at some point scale yourself out of your businesses, you kind of do need stuff like that. Yeah. At least you don't have a, a mission statement, do you? Or do, <laughs> do you have one? I don't have a mission statement now. Okay. We should, we should come up with one. We need one for Mile High Fi. I've got one. It's tattooed, but it's in a place I couldn't show without us getting kicked off YouTube. I also have a tattoo in a place that I can't <laughs> show without getting kicked off YouTube. Mine says Chum Bucket. <laughs> we'll put that on the OnlyFans site now. I don't know if that's real or not, but we, we're recording in my hotel room, so I think we may be able to find out. So. Yeah. All right. That was an awkward transition into fire. Go. Perfect. All right. <laughs> so when, where did you learn about financial independence and fire? Actually, my mom, I think, was the one who sent me a Mr. Money Mustache article. And this is shortly after the Tim Ferriss phase when I was 19. I think it was also I was 19 when I discovered Mr. Money Mustache. He was kind of my... I guess, liaison into the whole fire movement. Then I started listening to podcasts, reading books, and kind of just became obsessed with the idea of early retirement and financial independence. I honestly thought it was absolute bullshit yeah. when I first stumbled upon it. I'm like, people don't retire at 30. Like, I didn't know anyone in my life. Like I said, my rich role models were like the doctor and the lawyers, my family. Like, they yeah. weren't retired. They were making a lot of money, but there was no retirement in their future. Um, and then I actually went to an event in early 2018 called Camp Fi, Camp Financial Independence, and I met these people in real life. And it's like a dude who's like 31. He's like, yeah, I'm just traveling. I'm like, oh, so these people are real. <laughs> like, yeah. This is a real thing. And then I just became obsessed with the notion of having work become optional. I don't think I'll ever actually retire. I just have to, too much drive at this point. Right. But work is completely optional. Like I could just take a couple weeks off and not do anything and I'd be fine, which is crazy. And if I didn't stumble into this movement, I see a lot of people who are in like the make a shit ton of money space. They're also in the spend a shit ton of money space and they don't really understand the personal finance side of the equation. So they're just like really good at like selling a product or a service or whatever. Um, but I think me being someone who discovered Tim Ferriss, so I'm like on the make money front and kind of getting into the fire movement, it kind of gave me like akimbo, like two weapons at once yeah. where now I can be like a responsible entrepreneur who can make a bunch of money, but also like understand the fixed expenses thing. Like I'm not going out and buying a $2 million mansion and a Bugatti just because I'm making good money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. And I, I really identify with what you said. And I, I had a friend who was making like great money, but then they just, they bought a big house, a couple yeah. big cars, and then it went away and they just, and they're stuck with it. <laughs> they were stuck. Yeah. So they had to downsize greatly and they were yeah they were in a bad spot for a couple of years but yeah they just didn't they they were like we're rich and they just <laughs> yeah. kept spending it was nuts yeah they need fire yeah cody i just want to expound on that i think that's such a great point because if you have either of those skills separately they're powerful if you're super frugal no money or if you're a great entrepreneur very powerful you can go far but those are comp complementary so if you've got both those down you can just dominate which is what yeah. you're doing clearly <laughs> yeah i mean that's what i just kind of looked at people in the space like okay who is like retiring a crazy amount of time and it was people like grant sabatier who i talked about earlier who i went on the book tour with I'm like this dude's like frugal and he's making like over a million dollars a year <laughs> like, yeah like that is that's the recipe to retire like super fast and like you said you can do it both ways. Like you can be, you could make a ton of money and save like, you know, 10% or 20% of that ton of money and then eventually retire. Or you could make okay money and save like a decent amount of that money. And you that those two people would probably end up with like the same amount of money in 20 years. But if you can combine the two, it's like, holy shit, like I can <laughs> retire really fast and make a ton of money. Yeah. And um, we didn't mention it, but I think people know you have a podcast called The Fi Show. And if I remember right, you either shared your net worth or income. Can you, as much as you're comfortable sharing what you earn or anything like that? Yeah. So I, I mean, I do share all my numbers just to like inspire people. And it's, it's weird, honestly. I feel like yeah. weird saying stuff like that. So I'll just tell you like how the numbers have progressed over the last couple of years. It's literally nuts. So 2019, when I quit and started like doing a bunch of different entrepreneurial stuff, I made about 100K. 2020, I started just getting more involved with digital products, started investing in real estate, made about 200K. Last year, made 400K. This year, I'm on pace to hit a million. Wow. So you're doubling 100, 200, 400 to a million. Yeah. That's awesome. It's literally nuts. Like I can't so even... If I were to talk to myself like four years ago when I quit and told him where I was at today, like it's it's nuts. But it kind of going back to like the Tesla example, because my businesses have grown and I'm not an employee, like I'm not getting the here's a ten percent raise, buddy. Like yeah, great right. job. Like I'm able to kind of keep all of those gains. Um so yeah, I mean it's it's been yeah. nuts. 
Congrats. Yeah. And you are 26. Is 26. Yeah. Oh, sorry. And, and net worth. Um, it's been up and down because the stock market's been crazy, sure. but just about 2 million now. Wow. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. And the other thing we have going for us, if we're an entrepreneur, you've got access to things like a solo 401k, which allow you to take, uh, do things not exotic, but put much more money away quickly in a tax sheltered account. Like I didn't know that I, yeah, I wasn't saving much at all in my 401k, and then I became a solo entrepreneur, and like I can put like fifty three thousand in <laughs> yeah. this or whatever the limit was. Like yeah. holy crap, and, and do creative stuff with it. Like I know you're lending out of your solo 401k. You yeah. can buy properties in a solo 401k. You can invest in businesses in a solo. 401k. Yeah, there's a lot of options. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Like oh, yeah, all that money, all that nice interest you're sending me, boof. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't have to pay any tax. Yeah, exactly. I will have to at some point <laughs> when I take it out. But. <laughs> um yeah so would you consider yourself to be financially independent now or yeah no? yeah i mean via the nest egg nest egg method yeah. and via the like kind of just cash flow method as well like money coming in from yeah. real estate and digital products and all that stuff cool yeah i was gonna say i don't even need a spreadsheet to tell you that uh <laughs> yeah i think you had phi uh, <laughs> and, and for context uh, i've got about almost five now five million but i was negative net worth at the age of 26 so imagine what cody's going to be when he's my age (laughs) yeah i didn't know shit about shit and when i was 26 i I was buying a whole life plan at that point (laughs) i got lucky that i was introduced early yeah yeah like 19 i mean yeah it's it's seven seven years is kind of a long time but it's just like i got introduced so early on yeah it gave me such a leg up on people who yeah. And it's not like people can't catch up later on. It's just like, sure. now I have so much more time for the money to compound, like you said. Yeah. And so much freedom. Yeah. Yeah. And don't sell yourself short. I mean, yeah, it was great that you learned, but you're busting your ass and working hard Definitely and working smart. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So it doesn't, yeah. It's not escaped uh, us. I don't know if that's the right phrase, but yeah, exactly. you're doing good. Yeah. I <laughs> want to inspire people. That's why yeah. like you asked like, well, how much are you comfortable sharing? But like, yeah. and it feels weird. And I get like weird looks from friends and family and they make snarky comments sometimes. But I think, on the whole, it's a net positive. People like see my income growth. I'm like, listen, like you were friends with me four years ago in 2018 when I was like, just became an entrepreneur. I was making like $1,500 a month when I quit my corporate job. And now I'm making like way more per month. But like you knew me the whole time. It's not like I'm doing like some fancy thing. Like I document my whole journey. I've had a podcast the entire time during my financial independence journey. So hopefully I'm just uh, inspiring the youth out there. (laughs) Right on. And what does the fire community get right and wrong? I think the fire community doesn't focus enough on the income front and the entrepreneurship thing and like the people who are really good at making a bunch of money. They focus a ton on the savings, which is totally cool. I think that's honestly, it's easier to start to expand the gap between your income and your expenses if you start with the saving front. It's hard. I know people are time crunched. People have other stuff going on. Like it's hard to be like, yeah, go, you know, go get a side hustle and start making an extra thousand per month. Like that's a tough sell. But if you're like, hey, be a little bit more intentional about where you're spending. It's it's easier to cut that stuff out once you're like kind of in this world and conscious of how your how your money is working. Um, but I th- yeah, I don't I don't think the fire community has enough emphasis on the on the income front because it seriously is from entrepreneurship on entrepreneurial standpoint anyway. Your income is pretty pretty much unlimited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. Anything else about fire you'd like to mention, Cody? Um. I think a lot of people also hate on the retire early part and it, yeah, because people just hate that word retire. It's like, you know, I've, people have been like headlines, like business insiders, like 25 year old retired. It's like, well, they're not retired. I could retire if I wanted to, but I'm not. And I think most people in the space who get to that point, get there because they work their ass off. They're not someone who just like hits the off switch once they hit that goal, that financial goal. So a lot of people are like, yeah, like, fuck the financial dependence like fire movement like yeah. you guys aren't actually retired it's like well we have the option to if we want like we have enough passive income it's just like most people that get to that point are wired to not shut off ever and <laughs> just like keep pursuing different things and keep trying different stuff so that's just probably not right for your audience because everyone listening to this is like hell yeah fire but yeah for the mainstreamers like the yeah. re part of fire catches a lot of hate yeah yeah, and I think, I mean, it's just focusing on the wrong part. Like, I think once people get a little deeper, like, yeah. and they're into it, they sort of understand. But, yeah, it's an easy contrarian position to take where you're like, ah, you know, it's kind of bullshit or whatever. But yeah. I heard uh, JL Collins asked about this. Someone asked him about the whole work thing a couple of years ago, and he was like, uh, work is close to the heart of the human soul or something like that. And I think mm. that's absolutely true, whatever you define as work we have to have purpose and work gives us that but mm-hmm. we definitely redefine work and we define it how we want to define it we don't let other people define it which is the key i mean that 
that's everything i think yeah i think a key shift for me was kind of adopting a growth mindset and how i define a growth mindset is you're enjoying the process like i am not someone who just like gets to the goal and like cheers i i honestly am like oh shit like i hit the goal all right whatever on to the next thing like i said before i'm like on to the next business i just enjoy the hunt like i have kind of become obsessed with just getting better whether that's in fitness and business and relationships just in anything or like just knowledge i have started to just like become obsessed with getting better and i think that's honestly the you know the monetary stuff like all all these benefits are just like side benefits of falling in love with the journey so if you can like retrain your mind to have a growth mindset and fall in love with the journey rather than just like waiting till you get to some goal like i I think a lot of people actually get financial independence wrong in that way like once i hit my fine number then it's like no build your life that you want before you hit your fine number or while you're going toward that fine number because if you're just like expecting life to be awesome once you hit your fine number you're going to be in for a rude awakening <laughs> yeah 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 that is yeah. so true i know first day i'm like oh, <laughs> life is going to be great when i hit this number and then you hit it it's uh, like oh, it's like the dog who caught the car like okay what's next yeah. i should have been i need to rewind and enjoy do this the run. over again <laughs> exactly. yeah, yeah absolutely well and you mentioned um fitness in there so we do want to ask about your exercise routine yeah so Every morning, the first thing I do typically, well, actually, that's not true. The first thing I do, I have a bunch of overseas VAs. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, the first thing I do is like check in with what they did while I was sleeping, which yeah. goes back to the outsourcing thing. It's all, I'm li- they're literally doing stuff while I'm sleeping. Um, then we go to the gym every single morning, usually six days a week. Me and my fiance, Lauren, get to the gym. We're usually there for like an hour, hour and a half. Um, we, I kind of do like a, Working different body parts each day. So it's not like we just do the same routine. You know, we'll mm-hmm. do like chest tries, back buys, legs, shoulders, core, circuit, all that stuff. Um, and then honestly, usually most days we get in a second workout later on. So yeah. fitness is um, health is wealth, in my opinion. Like I would never want to trade places with like Warren Buffett, for example, or even someone who's just like out of shape in there. Mm-hmm. They're older. Yeah. Um, just because I think what there's no point of having a lot of money if you don't have your health. Like this, you're not gonna be able to enjoy it. Right. And a lot of people are trying to accumulate wealth for experiences, spend more time with family, go on vacations, whatever. It's like if you're not taking care of your body, that stuff's either gonna be way less enjoyable or you're not gonna be able to do it at all. Yeah. So I think that's huge. Um. So yeah, we usually work out two times a day, and then usually in the middle of the day we do something like not like a workout, but something active. We'll go on a walk or we'll kayak or we'll play tennis or whatever. So we usually have like three like active things during the day. Cool. Um, this could change if we're on vacation and stuff. And we usually are more active actually on vacation, just like exploring, walking around. But yeah, man, I don't know. That's a very long winded answer, but fitness is no, huge. No, fitness good. is huge for both of us. Um, we actually recently did this thing where we both independently wrote down like the 10 most important things to us without like looking and fitness was in the top three for both of us. Yeah. Like that is just like above everything. Money was like close, closer to the bottom. Yeah. Like, yeah. Top 10 list, but I don't um, have to worry about it. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Yeah. And Carl's been running a lot lately. How's the running going? Uh, it's going pretty good, except I stepped on a bunch of, uh, I stepped on a, I, so I created this thing to organize all my sockets. <laughs> I put a bunch of screws through a piece of wood and then the uh, the sockets could just hang on that. And I had it on the floor and then I was yeah. walking around at oh, night. And I, I stepped oh. on it, gave myself a bunch, bunch of puncture wounds so I had to take a short rest from my running. But November 5th is the next Shoes and Brews 5K. So okay. Okay. I, I have my thing two months. I'm going to be under that's 30 minutes. That's my yeah. goal. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you can do it, man. Yeah, I saw you with that uh, the pull-up picture. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I think you got to be transparent if you gotta, yeah. you got to show shit if you're gonna tell. I hate when people say, "Oh, I'm I'm gonna do this, this, and this," and then they don't, they like, don't do share it. any of the details, or they say they did it, but okay, well, but let's see the proof. I exactly. want to see. <laughs> and actually, I, I forgot uh, our mutual friend David Boyer. Yeah, he's into pull-ups. Yeah. And he and I had a little pull-up contest, and he actually squeezed one more out than me. I, I did 18, and he went after, and then he did 19. But recently, I did 22. But he he said that uh, he texted you, and you were like, "Oh yeah." So how, how many pull-ups? Video. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. How, how many pull-ups did you, or can you do? What's your max that you um, did? For that video, I did 28. I think the massive I've ever got was 32. 32. But he's like, yo, I just got 22 pull-ups. I'm like, all right, David. I'm like, check this out. I sent him, I literally just mounted my phone, took a video. I did 28. I'm like, keep, keep working. Man. <laughs> yeah, well. a, yeah, yeah. It's fun. I, my elbows get a little sore. I get a little tendonitis. I'm a couple years older than you. That's my excuse anyway. Yeah, after two or three years older. <laughs> Actually, I'm 57. Yeah. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, I'm not. <laughs> I, just, I moisturize. Yeah. So that's all. 
All right. So anything else on exercise? Can you think of Carl? Uh, no, I think that's it. All right. So what does your perfect day look like? It's pretty close to what we have now, quite honestly. Like I actually, you know, some people are like, oh, it's probably going to involve no work. I actually like working for like three to four, maybe five hours a day because I, I get into projects and I'm like excited about working on them. It's kind of the awesome part about financial independence is like I can actually just work on the things that excite me and then drop things that don't excite me. So yeah, probably go to the gym in the morning, work. Actually, yeah, I'll say work for a couple hours. I kind of usually get my book on my best work done in the morning, like after the gym, like my mind stimulated. I'm like ready to go. Um, probably. Yeah. And then make lunch around like noon. We do intermittent fasting actually on the health front. So I don't never eat breakfast. Um, then probably do something active for a couple hours. Maybe hop back on if I'm feeling inspired. Yeah. Uh, later on, like that. That's why I said three to five. Maybe two hours later on, like after we do whatever active thing, like whether it's like hiking or kayaking or whatever. Um, and then, yeah, I usually at night we're either hanging out with friends or building businesses. Sometimes, if we're lucky, I got we try to intentionally not watch too much TV. Yeah. So I guess the night thing kind of depends on what night of the week we're talking about, Doug. In terms yeah. of my ideal day, like you could. An ideal Tuesday is probably a little bit different than an ideal Friday for me. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, it's it's pretty close to what we have now. Like, definitely can't complain. I'm, you know, awesome. that sounds a little, uh, you know, first worldy. Like, nothing's yeah. wrong, but it, it's pretty close. I, we've been really intentional over the past couple months. Like, we sit down every month and kind of just like map out. I literally ask Lauren, my fiance, I'm like, okay, like if we, you could improve our days, what would we do differently? And she's like, just recently, she's like, I wish we went on longer walks. So we've been going on longer walks. And so like, I think being really intentional about what your ideal day looks like and then trying to just build that into your lifestyle, like it might not be completely possible now if you slowly work at it and work at it, like you're going to get closer and closer to that dream day. Very cool. And I have a, one more question I didn't prep you on, so it might all not right, go anywhere. Right. No, nothing crazy, but aside from uh, Mile High Five podcast, what other podcasts do you listen to? Any favorites? Are you a big podcast listener? Or? Yeah. So I actually don't listen to too many financial independence, personal finance podcasts. I feel like <laughs> I've kind of just exhausted the things that I can learn. Although I do like listening to like cool stories and hearing how other people have done it. I listen to a lot of like kind of growth mindset type stuff. So I, I listen to Tim Ferriss' podcast. I'm still a huge fan of him. Um, I listen to Sam Harris. Okay. He has Making Sense podcast. It's just like a kind of big ideas. It's like philosophy, that type of shit. Um, I do listen to Online Marketing Made Easy with Amy, Amy Porterfield. Okay. And she talks about a lot about online courses. And that's where like I get a lot of ideas because we've been doing a bunch with courses over the past year. Yeah. Um, our mutual friend, Nick Loper, South Hustle Nation. I actually like listening to, tuning in sometimes to listen yeah. to how people are just making a bunch of money in weird ways. Yeah. Um, what else do I got on my roster? Do you listen to like Huberman Lab? You know? I have. It's not like a regular for me. Okay. Why I didn't mention it. Um, sure. Honestly, yeah. I think that's pretty much my regular roster of like non-personal finance and like if there is an episode especially if i have like if i see friends on a, on a podcast or someone like interesting i just subscribe to a bunch and then i'll just kind of like pick and choose which ones i which ones i'm cool. going to listen to yeah. yeah yeah cool that sounds awesome for the podcast carl can you think of any other questions i think we're good we covered a lot of territory a ton. Yeah. what yeah. i will say i said this just jogged my memory because i recorded a video on this recently I think it's a lot easier for people to absorb information than they make it out to be. Like people will always use the time excuse for everything. I don't have time to blink. I don't have time to do this, do that. And like, especially with podcasts, it's something that's so easy to bake into your day. Like you mm -hmm. can listen to podcasts while you're cooking, while you're, you can even blast it on a speaker while you're in the shower, like whatever yeah. the hell you have to do to get this information. And honestly, you probably heard the Jim Rohn quote, like you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Yep. I consider my podcast people like, people I spend time with. I'm listening to them like every single week and like just getting these kind of big ideas that I wouldn't get like just a normal conversation with the people I'm hanging around with at home, not to fault them in any way, shape or form, but we just right. don't have those types of conversations. So I think kind of intentionally building multitasking into your day and just using podcasts as an example is a great way to just like level up and people use it for exercise too. They're like, I don't have time to exercise. It's like, do some squats while you're brushing your teeth. Like yeah. do some push-ups after you take a shit. Like yeah. just build it into your routine. Like you have you have a minute to spare. Yeah. You just tell yourself you don't have a minute to spare. Like all you need is like 10 minutes a day of you know somewhat rigorous working out to be like moderately healthy. Yeah. You can figure out a time to just do jumping jacks or pull-ups or push-ups or whatever. You can find those pockets. You just choose not to. Yeah. You could do That's body harsh. weight squats 
while you're taking your shit. <laughs> And then you're loosening your stuff up. It's probably healthy Clean for your splash. Yeah, yeah. That, that would be a problem. Yeah. Carl, don't use this bathroom, please. Just back to your own room. It's it, it's too late, Doug. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's an odd way to finish, but uh, I mean, you said it. I, I, I guess I did say it. Yeah, you know, you get what I'm saying. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People 100%. people make excuses. People say I'm too busy. I don't have time. And yeah. the truth is, you do have time. You just. Aren't fo- you aren't prioritizing the things you say you're going to do? Yeah, I want to jump on that too. So yeah, it's prioritizing. But the thing is, like, you will have you can't do everything. You have to give something up somewhere. And if someone was like, "Hey, I want to do 19 streams of income, just like Cody," you can do it. You probably can't do all 19 at once. You have to build, build on top up. of it. Yeah, like layer after layer. And um, but yes, people, I, I feel like sometimes are like, "Oh yeah, I want to try to do." everything and you will have to give something up like there's always like a resource constraint and people do find the time when it's something that's high enough priority for them so like if someone's house burned down or they have a dying family member you're gonna find the time to figure that shit out or spend time with that dying family member like you're gonna find the time to like you know sit next to that family member in the hospital for whatever number of hours you need to but and you know obviously this is a really grim example but like that's, that's usually what it takes for people to uproot their routine or like start to change something about their daily habits it's some catastrophic event but if you can like start intentionally just building these things out like you know a couple minutes each day doing something positive whether that's building a business or working out or language learning like it's just and it starts to compound and compound and compound huge fan of atomic habits by james clear actually mm-hmm. with that style like just habit stacking awesome yeah I have one final question for you, Cody. For people watching on YouTube, that shirt either looks like it could be something really expensive or something you got for like 50 cents on the uh, on the rack at the thrift store. It's a nice looking shirt. You look great in it, but I, I just don't know what, 15 to, bucks. what to think about. Okay. Marshalls. Okay. So kind of Marshalls has some awesome shirts. Not good. You know, yeah. you should get Marshalls to sponsor this episode. <laughs> There's one right by my house. I go in there all the time. I haven't. I, I usually just wear Mile High Five shirts. Uh, That's fair enough. Yeah. But yeah, it looks like a good shirt. Yeah. It's like, I like the little floral pattern. It's cool. It's like, I'm fun, but somewhat formal in your collar. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's business and fun all exactly. in one. Kind of like the mullet hairstyle. Exactly. That what they used to yeah. say about that. It's the mullet of shirts. Yeah. yeah. Business up front, party in the back. <laughs> this has been awesome. Cody, where can people find you? Well, if you love listening to podcasts, you can check out my podcast at The Fi Show. And I've been really active on Instagram. So you can follow me at Cody D. Berman. And then all things digital products, go to goldcityventures.com. Awesome. We'll link up to all that stuff. And yeah, your Instagram stuff recently has been spot on. Very good. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. No, thanks for having me. This was an absolute blast and I'll have to do it again. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the show. That was the Mile High Five podcast, and I'm Doug Cunnington, the Balder host, and Carl Jensen is the cool, sexy one. If you dig the show, please do three things for us. Number one, tell a friend, a family member, an enemy about the show. We really don't care who you tell. Maybe forward them a specific show that you know that they will like. It's the single most helpful thing that you can do to spread the word. It's like giving us a virtual high five, and uh, actually we don't give high fives in in person, so the virtual kind's pretty good. And more importantly, your friend or family member or even your enemy will appreciate the fact that you were thinking of them. Number two, make sure you're following or subscribed on your podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, YouTube, whatever you're using, and that way you won't miss a show. And number three, please leave us a rating and review. We read them on the show occasionally, and you might hear yours out there on an upcoming episode. Quick disclaimer, this show is not financial or legal advice. I'd actually be surprised if it sounded like it. It's really just for entertainment, and that's at least what we're hoping for. But seriously, get advice from professionals. Carl and I are just two guys with microphones that sit in my basement and talk. So we'll catch y'all next week. Oh, that is a good idea. <laughs> All right, so this is the sound check. So, Cody, did you go to the uh, the party last night? I did. I had a lot of fun. How'd it go? Yeah, uh, it was loud to me. Did you find it? Was it was super loud. <laughs> I got to reconnect with a lot of old friends, yeah. made some new friends. Money Lion, shout out. 
Yeah. Unless it's just a sound check, so they're not yeah. actually getting a shout out, but yeah. No, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. And then um yeah, did you or what was your favorite part of the uh the opening party? I was impressed by the grilled cheese wagon. Yeah. I was just expecting, you know, a couple of craft singles on some shitty right. bread. Yeah. They had like buffalo chicken grilled cheese, like barbecue chicken grilled cheese, all these different grilled yeah. cheeses. So it was good. Yeah, I got the, um, I think it was like dates and goat cheese or something. Did yeah. you get that too? I yeah. actually got the buffalo chicken. Okay. Big buffalo right chicken guy. How about I, th- you? I think I got the bacon one, but that was great as well. And the macaroni and cheese was good too. They came out with those little oh, like right. bowls. Bacon and, mac. Yeah. And the, Fire. Very good. <laughs> yeah. The hot one with the jalapenos. Then they had the barbecue one. It was so yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. It was a good party, and I was so scared I was going to completely lose my voice. But uh, <laughs> I, I can talk. Sounds like I smoke cigars and drink whiskey all night, but it still works. That edge. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Get a quick listen. 